Welcome everyone to Sammy Sometimes, a podcast with me, Sammy Lee. This week, we're chatting with Callie Gray, a South Florida native and my TV news mom who was recently declared legally blind. We get into what that's been like as she continues to work successfully in a field she's been in for the last 35 years. We dig into why she had to give up watching NBC's hit show, This Is Us. We also explore some of the ways technology is used within the VIP community and why she's eternally grateful for Earth, Wind & Fire's Gratitude album. Here's a hint. It involves a cop car and the best sleep she's ever gotten. Okay, y'all, let's get into it. <laughs> oh, so what uh, what dope things are you into right now? I am a very boring person. Can I just tell you that, Samantha? I don't have anything I'm into right now. But can I just tell you one song that I just heard, and it's been on top of the Billboard charts for like 18 weeks, Old Town Road. Never heard it until last Saturday. Stop it. Are you serious? I am so serious. <laughs> I am that one person, okay, who never oh heard this God. song. And I was listening to like an NPR podcast of all things, okay? And they were that talking podcast. about the song. And I was like, what is this? And so I went to Apple Music and I listened to it. And I'm like, this is actually pretty damn catchy. <laughs> so it's like, How yes, people. How did you manage to avoid all of the controversy that was surrounding that song? Do you work in news? <laughs> that goes to show you how disconnected I am to everything. But that's not anything for me. You know, at the end of the year, Spotify does this thing called Unwrap, where they tell you what songs you've listened to the most the previous year. Yeah. Okay. Last year, the song that was in my top 10, I only discovered last year in 2018. That okay. song, Kanye West, Gold Digger. Stop. I'm done with you. Okay. <laughs> I was like, and I could not stop playing that song in 2018. It was just like, I'm like, where was I? When did this song come out? And all my friends were like, Callie, that song was like, you know, eight, nine years old. I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, that was when Kanye was Kanye instead yeah. of what we currently have. <laughs> <laughs> all right so, Callie I'm gonna go ahead and start making you playlists <laughs> you should you should because like you know I read somewhere that your music tastes are basically set at the age of 32 and I've, nothing really changes after that and for me that has become so real I'm stuck in the 90s the 90s is a good year to get stuck in I will say music was amazing in the 90s so yeah you're 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 stuck in a good year. Yeah. So don't worry about that. Um, okay. But we will we'll try to make sure that you're not left um, too far behind going <laughs> forward. Because yeah, it's easy to kind of just fall back to everything that you're you're so used to, and you you get that mindset of like, oh well, music today isn't so good, and you sound like a curmudgeon automatically. And well, I am my parents, no doubt about it, because I think that what the kids are listening to nowadays, I just don't get. I'm not going to say it's crap or anything like that it's just i different. will it's crap a, just, a lot of it's crap a just lot like of it's crap you know just like with my parents you know they they didn't understand the commodores and earth wind and fire and shaka khan and like all of that you know but i think what's different now is you know back when i was a child i got exposure to a whole breadth of music gospel blues rock you know jazz everything because you know as this episode of Blackish once uh, referenced, that Pop said, 
the, the parents controlled the music. You know, kids, you didn't have your iPad or your iPhone. You can go into your room and listen to whatever it is that you wanted to. There was one single stereo system and the parents got to control it. So you had to listen to whatever they were listening to. And the only time you didn't, you know, have to do that was when they were at work or out on, you know, errands and you got to control the the record player, you know, and put your little 45s in, you know, you get the jam to the Jackson 5, you know. <laughs> do like you that. remember what your first record was? It was Shining Star by Earth, Wind & Fire. Oh, such a good one. Yeah, that was the one that I, was a 45 that I bought with my own money. And there's another side story to Earth, Wind & Fire. Um, yeah, I got caught shoplifting. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I so How old the, were you? I was like 14. I want to say 13 or 14. It was a double album. It was Earth, Wind and Fire's Gratitude. And I really, really wanted it. But there was like no way my parents were going to give me money to buy it. So I'm thinking I can shoplift this, you know, this 13 inch by 13 inch square. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like, and I knew I was going to get caught, you know, but. Yeah, and I did get caught, and I got sent down to the mall jail, and, you know. Like, oh, wait, so, okay, so you're in the store, uh-huh. and you, you're rummaging through the record, you see it, you pull it out, and where did you put, like, did you think you were just going to walk out the store with it in your no, hand? I had on a coat. I had on a coat. Okay. So I thought that I could, like, hide it in the coat. But, no, the security guard clearly saw me there because li- I was standing there for literally, like, 45 minutes, okay? So oh. something was going on. I was not – I kept, like, debating whether or not I was going to do it, whether or not I was going to do it. And I did, and I promptly got caught as I was leaving the store with the album in my jacket. So now you're hanging out in mall jail. What, yes. Uh, what happened yes. next? Well, I'm crying, obviously. I'm, like, so upset and – you know, I give them my mom's phone number, my home phone number, because in order for them to let me leave, they weren't going to arrest me. I didn't know that, of course, but they weren't going to arrest me, but they had to like let my mom know what I was doing, right? So I had to give them my home phone number. And so they were calling my mom's phone. And back in the day, kids don't know this nowadays, but you got a busy signal if somebody was on the line, somebody (laughs) was on the phone. The call, like, just didn't go through. You get a bonk, 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 bonk. And so he kept trying, and the line remained busy. So they took me home in a cop car. Oh, no. And the car is driving down Lynnhurst Street, and I'm sitting in the back seat, and my friends are out playing, and they can look in the car, and they see me sitting there like, ooh, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. And I'm just, like, sitting back there. And so the car pulls up to my mom's house and I'm just crying because I'm almost like at the point that no, that jail would be better than the whooping that I am going to get today. Oh. I mean, I'm just, and so we pull up and my mom comes out. She's got her hands on her hip and I'm like, oh, this is just not going to be good. So she tells me to go in the house and I go in and all my friends have gathered around the house at that point. Just like looking, just like, looking yeah, they don't want to miss the show. They don't want to miss it. So the officer talks to my mom. And so he left. She came in. I got the ass whooping. My friends <laughs> outside heard it. And I was like just yelling and screaming. 
And the one thing I can say about that, well, no, there are two things I can say about that ass whooping. Number one, I cried so hard. I slept the best. I had the best night's sleep I ever had in my life. I swear to God, I, I slept well that night. And number two, I never had the urge to shoplift again. Yeah, so Earth, Wind, and Fire's gratitude, and I am, you know, grateful for them that I got caught. (laughs) I never shoplifted again, and that was one of the best night's sleep I ever had in my life. (laughs) So, and, you know, and can I tell you, I thought for real that I had, like, a record. Because I remember, like, when I applied for, like, my first job, you know, I was still in school, you know, and they were like, I had, on the application said, you know, if you had like uh, ever been arrested. And I was like, what do I put here? And it was like, I was like so scared. I checked no, but I thought it was going to come back to like bite me. But right. it never did because technically I was never arrested. So I'm like, okay. I, and that followed me for like ever. I thought, I'm like, I'm never going to get a job. I'm going to have this record. And it's like, but Aww. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> All is good. All is good. Oh, my goodness. My first record that was given to me um, was Alvin and the Chipmunks. Of Chris- <laughs> it was like a Christmas record. Uh-huh. My, I'm sure my dad regretted giving me that because, like, you know, they sing in that high-pitched voice, and I would play it over and over and over, <laughs> and over <laughs> again. <laughs> Where, like, I think as soon as Christmas was over, I couldn't even find the record. Like, he hit it. He hit it very, very, very well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my, my mom. I don't know. Growing up, did you always have problems with your eyes? Or was that something that developed later on in your life? Oh, no. It's always been a problem. You know, growing up, um, I had the typical Coke bottle glasses. I mean, they were thick. I mean, there's like no doubt about it. I was like very nearsighted. And I always had to sit in the front row of the class if I was going to see the blackboard, even with my thick glasses, because I don't know if people realize it, but when your glasses are very thick, the thicker they are, the smaller the letters or whatever it is that you're looking at appears. You know, so mm-hmm. even though they, they would be clear, but they would just be really small. So, you know, I had to like sit in the front of the class, which meant, you know, I didn't get to hang with the cool kids. Even I was never like a cool kid or anything like that. But yeah, so it's always been an issue for me. Yeah, because I, I wear glasses, so I totally understand it. It's especially when I was younger, I didn't want to wear glasses. So the day I came home, I think I was in kindergarten is when I, I um, had to get glasses and I didn't really want to wear them. So I would take them off and throw them down on the ground in the pathway of my uh, great grandmother. And to me, my great grandmother was massive. She was definitely over six foot. So as a child in kindergarten, she seems even larger, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so larger like, oh, than life. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, this is gonna be perfect. She's gonna step on them and crush them and I'll never have to wear glasses again I don't know that was like my my thought process because I hated wearing glasses I thought it was uncool I didn't look good in them people are gonna make fun of me you know all the typical things I think every child experiences once they're in a situation where they there's something that's visible upon them that makes Mm -hmm. that makes them different from everyone else and so I kept trying to have her break them like I would throw them on the chair so that way she could sit on them and somehow she never broke my glasses 
And at one point, my, my mom was like, Sam, you're going to kill her. Stop doing this because <laughs> you know, she, she's going to trip on them and probably like fall or something. So I was like, oh, OK, fine. And so I get it. Like wearing glasses was definitely not a fun experience growing up for me either. And eventually over time, you know, technology, they they uh, got it together and they learned how to make really cool looking glasses and thinner because um, I had thick glasses as well. And, and they learned how to make the lenses thinner. So that, and you know, you pay more for all that stuff. That was my safety. I never got that technology. It was like, because like my my prescription was like a minus 22 or something like that. It was, it was like off the charts. It was like, you know, I was like one of those patients where doctors would like be amazed, you know, that I could like see anything. Would they call an other doctors? Yeah. <laughs> it was like I felt like a science experiment, you know, but, you know, but, but due to the thickness of the glasses, I could also never get like cool frames. I mean, I literally wore the same frames from elementary school until like high school. They were like and they were awful. They were these like tortoiseshell cat frame cat style glasses, you know, and they were just like god awful. And then I had a principal in high school. His name was Harold Ginyard. He got involved. It was like at the time when administrators would actually know the students, they would get involved in your life. And he saw like I was struggling with school, not with school, but like seeing things. And so he actually took me to it was Lindsay Hopkins. And it's like a trade school, a technical school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had students studying for up, up to be optometrists and stuff like that. I actually got like updated glasses through him through this trade school, you know, where the students were learning. So that's when, like, I got my new frames and they were still thick. They were, you know, people even call them bulletproof because they were so <laughs> thick. It was, like, it was like, I can laugh about it now, but trust me, in high school, it was like, oh my God, they're calling my glasses bulletproof. That's so nice that your, your, your principal took the time out to get, one, recognize that there was a problem mm-hmm. and two, take action, you know, mm-hmm positive action to at least help you adjust a little bit better, you know, to, to high school, even, even still, even if they were still thick or they were still, you know, maybe not the coolest, that action alone changes things. It changes maybe the course of your, your schooling going forward. Oh, it did. You know, I I will always be forever grateful to um, Mr. Ginyard for doing what he did. I mean, he he was tough on the students. He was tough on everybody. He walked the halls of Miami Central Senior High School with a stick. And if he saw you acting out or doing anything, you know, he would use it on you. You know, this is like, you know. Oh, so that was back when teachers were allowed to, like, spank kids. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, and, you know, and parents at that time, you know, it was, like, expected. It's not like nowadays, you know, where, kids can like throw desks and chairs at the teacher and like you know you can't you know and the teacher's supposed to just and the teacher's just to take it yeah yeah so it's very different time you know back then you know where teachers and the adults who were in the children's lives were actually involved you know and they cared you know about you know your future and your present how did you make your way into TV news. To be honest, I was never interested in news at all. It sort of became happenstance that I am where I am right now because my in, my goal, like I love working with numbers. Um, I had gotten accepted into Howard University. What? For, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Nineteen eighty, I was going to go to Howard University because they had, and I 
still believe they have a magnificent business school. So my goal was to be a CPA. I was always better with numbers than I am with words. The grading system was so subjective to the teacher's likes. And as with math, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. There's no if and buts. There's nothing subjective about it. You know, numbers don't lie. (laughs) No, they don't. So that was what I was supposed to do. But then, you know, my mom became very ill and I couldn't go away to Howard University because, you know, home had to be taken care of. I went to the local community college and I did like a couple of years there. And then my mom passed. There was no inheritance. There was like nothing, you know, and I had to like get a job. I had to get a roof over my head, you know, I lived in a couple of crack houses, you know. Really? A while. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> How old were you at this time? I was 18 when my mom died. I was supposed to go to school that summer, excuse me, that fall of um 80 but then she got sick so i stayed and i enrolled at the local community college she passed away in september of 81 i was 18 and i had to like figure life out you know i had to get a job had to find an apartment you know apartments they wanted first last and security right okay when you get a job and you're making minimum wage it takes a long time to scrape together first last and security But what I could do with my paycheck that I got, you know, every, you know, other week was pay by the week. So those places were flop houses and they were basically crack houses because you're paying by the week. And I would have people like knocking on my door at all times of the night, you know, for something. And what I would do, my form of protection was I would heat up in a cast iron skillet hot grease. Oh my gosh. Crisco. Okay. I would heat it up. And my plan was if anybody got through the door, I was going to throw the hot grease on them, hit them in the head with the skillet and then just run. Okay. I mean, luckily my plan, I never had to like use it. And can I just tell you something? I wasn't scared because I had a plan. You know what right. I mean? No, it's true. I think as women, especially, we're always in that situation where it's like, okay, how can I, what What do I need to do for my safety? And so you're always thinking of a plan. And once you have a plan, there's a little bit of comfort that you have in that, that you can kind of slightly exhale just because you know what to do. Yeah, because there was like, literally, there's one door into this unit that I had and there was one window. So there wasn't like a whole bunch of places for anybody to come in. So, and I would sleep peacefully. I didn't have, it's it's like very different. And I think also because I wasn't bombarded by news coverage of petty crimes that happen like every day, you know what I mean? (laughs) So like, I didn't really know to even be afraid. You know, I had a plan. If something were to happen, that was going to be it, you know? And so like, I needed a job. Okay. And I worked, my first job that I had, I hated and I like left them without having a job. <laughs> so was what, like, what, was, what was your first job? I was just like an administrator, not even an administrative assistant, just like an office assistant. Yeah. And I just like hated and I didn't like the people who I worked with or for. And so like I left without having a job. I interviewed where 
for the television station where I currently work now. And I also interviewed for a nonprofit at the same time. And the nonprofit called me back first. And I was like, well, I'm going to take it. It took me three buses to get to this job. And so I didn't like that fact, but it was a job. You know, it was going to pay the bills. So I accepted that job and I started there on a Monday. And then that Wednesday, the station where I work for now called me and said, hey, you know, we want to, you know, offer you the position, blah, blah, blah. And the station job was paying 25 cents an hour less than the job that I had at the nonprofit. But because the station where I work was only one bus ride, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, done. I'm like, I'm going to accept this job because like getting to that nonprofit, it was three buses and it was like an hour and 45 minutes each way, as opposed to getting on this one bus and I was at work in like 15 minutes, you know? So at that time, I was thinking time was more valuable to me than I didn't even know it at that point. You know, I was 21 at this time. But being 21, that, you know, time was like that precious to me, you know, that I'd rather take a 25 cent an hour pay cut and have more time for myself, you know, than anything else. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's the only reason that I got into television news. And it, <laughs> that's it. And like I started, I was an office assistant. I, um, I also did um, ripped scripts because we had paper scripts at that time. And so I ripped them and put them in order, give them to the director, technical director, the producer, audio, blah, blah, blah. I also did Chiron and I also loaded our graphics for the show. Um, but keep in mind, this is like 1984. So the only newscast we had was a 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. And um, I was working nights and weekends at that time, you know, so I enjoyed it. It was just something new that I got you know, to try out. And so that's how I ended up in television news, to be honest, and worked my way from there, from the office assistant to satellite coordination, which is where I, I am now. Where you run things. You you run satellite <laughs> for that well, station. 100%. <laughs> like, you are definitely someone who... You taught me this business. You gave me my start in news. You, you're like my news mom. Oh, <laughs> you, thank you've you definitely, <laughs> you've nurtured me in this business, and I've learned so much from you over the years. And I think um, you underestimate how freaking fantastic you are to start from not knowing where you're going to end up to creating a life for yourself that is fruitful and flourishing. Yeah, life is interesting. It takes you down roads that you didn't. You didn't know, you know, and I can remember like working, you know, my, you know, getting my first job and being like 18 and I was making like, you know, like $8,000 that year or something like that. And I was thinking to myself, boy, if I ever get to the point where I can make what my age is, life is going to be so freaking awesome. <laughs> that was like my whole thing. I always wanted to make what my age was. I just thought that was like. Technology has changed so oh, yeah. much from when you started to now. And mixed in through all of this, you're 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 dealing with your eyesight. Oh my god. Well the eye the vision loss occurred very suddenly. Back in February of 2016, I was driving down I-95 
And I started noticing that white lines that separate the lanes, that they weren't straight, that they were just like crooked. And like the words on the signs above were like crooked too. And I was thinking, damn it, I wish these people would like paint this shit straight. You know, I was just like, I'm thinking. <laughs> had no idea it was like me. I was just thinking somebody was like out painting the lines and, you know, they were like a little tipsy and the lines were like all funky. <laughs> okay, so there you go. And so I got to work that day and I was like looking at the computer program that we use to ingest video and it's got these straight lines and stuff like it. I'm thinking, hmm, okay, there must be something going on here. I probably just like need a new pair of glasses here because something is just like not right. So I went to my optometrist just to like get an eye exam to get like a new pair of glasses. Of course, I thought that was going to fix everything. And then he said, well, there's something else going on here, but I'm not like a specialist, but we can't get your vision corrected with, you know, different lenses. You know how they put them in, say better now, better without, better with, better without. Yeah. Nothing was getting better with or without. And so we, I, went to a retina specialist and he looked in the back of my eye and says, Oh, you have a macular hole. And I was like, what the hell is that? I didn't know what the heck that was. And he explained to me what it was. And that was caused causing the distortion in my vision. I said, well, what can we do to like fix it? And the first thing that we tried were eye drops to hopefully help heal the eye and relax it and get the two pieces at the back to close up. And after two weeks, that didn't work. And so I went back and he said, well, the only other option is surgery. And so I did a little research on the internet first because like, I didn't want anybody going into my eyeball unless like I knew that was like my only course of action. Right. And so I did research and talked to people and they're like, yeah, you have to like do the vitrectomy. That's what the surgery is called. And so I'm like, okay, I have to do this. And the odds that I saw were like, it was like, great. You know, everybody's like, it's like a 95%, you know, positive outcome. And, but my doctor, he warned me, he says, you need to know that those 95% outcomes are for people with normal eyes. I'm like, what do you mean normal eyes? And he was like, well, you don't have, your eyes are not shaped like a basketball. They're not round. They're more shaped like a football. So my retina, which lies at the back of the eye, is stretched very thin. The only way I can describe it, Sammy, is think of like a blanket that you had as a child or something. You stretch it and, you know, Mm -hmm. you can kind of see through it as you stretch it. That's what was going on at the back of my eye. So it got to the point where it was stretched so much that a hole actually like opened up in it. And so he said it's not that, you know, he says not 95%. He says it's more like 50-50. So I'm like, okay, 50-50. So if I don't do it, the hole is probably just going to get bigger and my sight is going to get worse. But if I take the shot, I could probably like fix it. And so we went for the shot and it didn't work. The first time we did it, it didn't work. And I was like devastated. I was like, and I knew it didn't work because like they put this bubble in your eye and you have to like lay face down for like three days. So I couldn't raise my head if I had like had the, had bought the special equipment where I could like remain face down for like three days. Totally uncomfortable. It was just really hard. 
And then um, after the bubble went away in my eye, because basically they inject a bubble in your eye. So when you lay face down, that bubble rises to the back of your head, of your mm -hmm. skull. You know, gravity takes over and it presses up against the back of your retina and this tries to force close the hole. Mm -hmm. And so when the bubble went away, I immediately knew that it hadn't worked, even though I had to wait to go to the doctor to be told for sure, because everything was still crooked. So I was like devastated and I was with my best friend. I was like crying. I was just like, I don't know what's going to you know, happen. I don't know about my future, blah, blah, blah. And so I went to see a specialist at um, Bascom Palmer Eye Institute. It's supposed to be one of the best hospitals for eyes in the world. And I met this doctor that everybody said that I should see. And I did. And we did the surgery. The second surgery, the whole closed. So I was like, yay, oh, you know, it's great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But he told me my sight was never going to get back to the point where I could drive again. And that was a hard pill to swallow, especially living in South Florida. And you know how it is in South Florida. You kind of like, you, need, you a need, car. A car. <laughs> need a car to get around in South Florida. Right. So, but I'm like, let me just do it one thing at a time. And it, my accident actually got to the point where it was like 20 over 70. And I know somebody with 20-20 vision, they're like, oh, that's still bad. But from where I was to the 2070, it was good. I mean, I know it wasn't good enough to drive, but. It's an know, improvement just, from where you were. Yeah. But then again, a loss about a year later, <laughs> the hole reopened. Mm. And um, I underwent a third surgery to try to close it again, hoping to get back to the 2070 where I was, but it didn't work. So, and as the hole got bigger, my vision became worse. So right now I'm at 20 over 400, which is basically if you ever go for an eye exam, the big E on the chart, yeah. that's all I got. That's all I got. And it's not even like clear, it's still like fuzzy. But I'm like, I can read it. I'm like, so we're counting it. So, like, we're gonna, <laughs> so I'm like, we're going to count it, you know. So now my eye test is basically, you know, the biggie and like people like holding up a finger and seeing what I can do with that. So that was from so it started in April of 2016. And the last time I drove a car was April 5th, 2016. And to be honest, I probably shouldn't have been driving that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay we won't tell anyone it's i know because you know i'm like because you know, my eyesight had gotten worse but no one said hey don't drive or do anything you know so i was like you know i got places it, to be i gotta go i know so i was like still driving i still have my driver's license and side note state of florida if somebody's not supposed to be shouldn't people like take the license away or do something <laughs> i mean i don't know i, think they I mean should. I mean, they're running on the on the honor system here that you're actually. There is no honor. There is like, no honor. <laughs> you know, but I have played the honor system really well. I haven't driven a car since April 5th, 2016. And I actually um, gave my car to charity on Friday, April 13th of 2018. Um, his name was Red Fox. He was <laughs> he was a he was a red Honda Civic that I loved to pieces.
Yeah. So then you basically are relying now on on what? Like Uber? Was Uber around? I took my first Uber ride like that May of 2016. And I kept canceling the ride because I'm like, am I going to do this or not? And I kept canceling. And I'm like, I'm going to get in the car with a stranger. And I kept canceling it. And it was like, <laughs> and then I finally like got in and like, and, every, and everything was okay. But right now my transportation options, you know, my friend's are one and foremost. And they've been my ride or dies for three and a half years now, getting me to and from work. But there are times, of course, when they are out sick on vacation or something like that, and I have to make my own way. And I'll, I have a tools in my arsenal. I can take Lyft or Uber, and I'm also um, can use um, paratransit. In South Florida, it's called Special Transportation Service. It's a pooled service. You don't have any control over when they're coming to pick you up. You tell them when you have to be to work. Like when I have to be to work at 9 a.m., they'll show up at like 6.45 to pick me up. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's super early. But, you know, there are times where they pick me up at 6.45 and I'll get to work at 7.15. But then there are other times when they pick me up at 6.45 a.m. and they're going to pick up other people. And I'll get to work at like nine o'clock. So it just depends upon what's going on that day. But the difference is the paratransit is $3.50. Uber or Lyft getting me to from work, I'm paying about $28 to $30. I will take Uber or Lyft during the summer when school is out because traffic is not that bad. And I can get a car very quickly and get into work. But when school is back, if my friends are not available, you know, to take me to and from work, I will opt for a special transportation service, even though they'll pick me up super early because just the lift with the surge pricing when school is back and the heavy traffic is just very expensive. And I spend my time in the STS. I'll listen to an audible book or I will listen to a podcast. And I have yours now that I can listen to now, too. So. Thank you. You know, and I'll go through emails, you know, from work, you know, so there are things that I can do while sitting in the STS paratransit. So what tools are you using to help you navigate work or just navigate life? Oh, well, the foremost tool is my iPhone. It's, It's my all in all. You know, I can use it to read my emails. It reads my emails to me. There's a screen reader on it that's called VoiceOver. And they're actually celebrating the celebrated the 10th anniversary of VoiceOver on June 19th. Because most apps are VoiceOver accessible. Lyft and Uber are VoiceOver accessible. As a matter of fact, they are very popular in the blind and visually impaired community. Those two apps, because of course, we're not able to drive. So those apps are very easy to navigate. It's easy for me to navigate my email. It's easy for me to navigate my messages because VoiceOver will read out everything to me. And there are lots of blind apps out there. There's a Microsoft one, has one called Seeing AI that I can use to read my, to read envelopes when I get mail and tell me if it's actually mine, if it's something I need to like keep or just shred. It also has a full document reader where you can read like a letter, a lease, just anything that's on paper. And they're working on the beta for the handwriting recognition. So, you know, when you get Christmas cards, because I still like 
paper Christmas cards. Me um, too. So when, you get, so, <laughs> so when you get Christmas cards, you can read, you know, the writing on there. And so, you know, what that person wrote, you know, to you. It also has a product scanner. If I am in my pantry and I'm wondering what something is, I can get the phone out. Once I get to the barcode, it will pop up and it'll tell me what it is. But I'm not that bad at this point where I need where I use really the barcode scanner. Do you need anything to tell you about money? If you're paying in cash and that way it'll read to say you this is a $5 bill or this is a $20. Are you at that stage yet or or, or no. is there is there is there an app for that? I believe there is one, right? There is an app for that. Yeah, that you can get the money reader that will tell you what it is. Seeing AI has it, Voice Dream scanner has it. But right now if I hold it very close to my eyes I can make out, you know, what it says in the corner, whether it says five, one, 20 or anything like that. And I try to organize my wallet where the singles are first, you know, five, go, fives go behind the singles, tens go behind that, you know, and I rarely have 20s. But if I did have the 20s, uh, they would be at the back because I don't really carry cash you know, too often, but I am learning, you know, cause like I, I use a lot of the gig economy, like Instacart for groceries, Uber Eats or DoorDash to have food delivered. And I've learned that the drivers prefer their tips in cash. So that's really like the only reason that I keep cash around. I think about the movie where Jamie Foxx plays Ray Charles and he's getting paid after the gig. And the guy hands him a, a bill and he's like, mm -hmm. no, you're supposed, you're supposed to pay me in singles. And the guy's mm -hmm. like, well, I don't I don't have any. He's like, well, that's not this is not how I get paid. You pay me in mm -hmm. singles. Basically, the guy was trying to cheat him, you know, mm -hmm. because he's like, oh, you're blind. He's not going to know any better. So he hands him basically a dollar. He, he always asked to be paid in singles. That way he can count exactly how much he um, he yep. made mm -hmm. and to make sure that nobody was trying to take advantage of him because he was blind. And so okay. I think. It's amazing how far technology has come. I mean, I know there's still leaps and bounds that still need to happen, but I just think from then to now, having apps that can do that for you and, and car services that are mindful of that, or at least some are mindful of it. Because I know <laughs> that, you know, not everyone is as tolerant. Have you experienced any situations where somebody was basically discriminating against you because of your site? Not yet. And I think because I am pretty good at faking it. And I know there've been like things like on the internet, especially like in the blindness community where people like will fake what they can do and see. And so unless like I bring out my white cane, which I only really use at night, as you discovered when we were in New York, or if I'm in some place where I'm unfamiliar, I'll bring out the white cane. But otherwise when I'm in familiar areas, I can manage. Like even when I do my own grocery shopping, because I do Instacart, but sometimes I want to go to the store myself and do my own grocery shopping. I can't read what the sign at the end of the aisle says is in that aisle. So I basically go up and down every aisle. And once I'm like, I see something familiar, you know, like when I see Ritz crackers, I'm like, okay, I'm in the cookie aisle. Oh, you're like, when I see, right. you know, when I see water, I said, I'm in the water in the soda aisle, you know, so I know what I can look for. In the out and like colors help me identify stuff, you know, like the tuna that I like to eat bumblebee tuna. I know that once I find the tuna, it's going to be the one with the green and white packaging on it. Well, I hope so they that's never rebrand themselves. I know if they do, I'm, <laughs> I'll have to like learn the hard way and get something wrong and then like bring it home and then like figure it out. My whole system got flip flopped when I was at Target and I went grocery shopping there. I didn't know what color cap to look for for the skim milk at Target. 
So I basically had to get my phone, my iPhone, which has a magnifier on it. Thank you, Steve Jobs, for thinking of that. And so I can turn on the ma the magnifier and hold my phone up and just read the label and figure out which one was the skim milk. So I was able to get the skim milk, but it took some, it took a workaround. I just couldn't go with my visual cues as to the color of the caps and stuff like that. You know, so, you, you know, you figure things out, you get to like know stuff, you know, by how they look. And, you know, and I know there are people who are totally blind, who have like no vision, who still do their shopping and stuff like that. But, you know, Publix and Target, if you're totally blind, and you need assistance shopping. They will assign somebody with you to go shopping with you and pick things out. Oh, that's nice. Very, yeah. Like, yeah. Very, very mindful to, yeah. to, to do that. How was your experience flying? Cause, cause this June was your first time after being diagnosed, right? Yes. It was frightening to be honest in the beginning. Cause I was like scared. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to go. But like, once I bought the ticket, I'm like, I had to go. You're like, well, money's gone. <laughs> money's gone. I gotta go. So, you know, I posted some questions on Facebook in the group for blind and visually impaired people. And they told me, gave me some tips, you know, about letting the airline know ahead of time that you will need assistance. And I did. I called Delta the night before. And the person who did my reservation, I went through a travel agent when I booked the ticket, to be honest, because I haven't actually gone into a booking website to see how accessible they are with the voiceover. I, I just haven't done that yet. So I just booked it with a travel agent and he told me he would like make a note in there that I would need assistance. So I called Delta the night before and they said, yes, we see it in there. So my friend took me to the airport. She actually came in with me and she got me to the ticket counter and I gave them my information and they said, okay, we see here that you need assistance. I'm like, good. And so it worked out fine. My friend left and then I was on my own. And then to my horror, they come with a wheelchair. <laughs> you know, they come with a wheelchair. And I was like, my my legs work fine. I just need vision. I just need assistance getting to my gate because I'm not going to know how to get there or where it is because I can't read the signs, you know. The dude who's like, if you want to get in the wheelchair, like people do it like all the time, you just get to do some like, so I actually like, got in the freaking wheelchair and we, and we went through TSA quickly because of my, I hate saying disability, but as I'm learning, people who have well, disabilities are saying, there's no shame in saying you have a disability. It is well, what it is. Just accept it and keep it moving. I mean, I guess there is a stigma attached to saying disability. What is the proper terminology? Like what's, there what is should you none. use? There okay. is none. Because there was this guy who was like on Twitter who I follow because he was like mad at somebody for talking about um, Microsoft is doing something for people with vision loss. And he was like, well, I've been blind all my life. There was never a loss of vision. And I tweeted him back. I kind of like, okay, my situation is February of 2016, I was 2040 and driving and I'm at 2400. I would say that I have vision loss. And he says, okay, so that works for you. So, you know, I mean, the people in the community are never going to be on the same page as to what's the proper term, but you know, there's a hashtag for VIP, which stands for visually impaired person. 
So I think visual impairment is fine as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm sure, you know, once this gets out, there will be people, especially in the community, who may say something different about it. But I'm not blind because I can see colors. I can't see details. Like I tell people, if somebody were to rob me, were to mug me, and they were to get right into my face to snatch my purse or something, the only thing I would be able to tell the police is like the color of their outfit and the race of the person, you know, that would be it. I wouldn't be able to give them any description as far as color of the eyes, the shape of the nose or the lips. Right, none of the facial details. No, nothing like that, you know. So that's the world that I am, you know, living in, you know, right now without the details. And it makes watching television horrible. I don't really enjoy it as much, even with the audio descriptions that they have. And Netflix, you know, I give you thumbs up for being uh, leaders in that. But it's not the same. So I, gra- I find myself gravitating to what I call comfort shows. Shows from before I lost my vision where I know what's going on. I know the characters and I've seen these episodes before. So I kind of like have it, you know, already in my head as opposed to trying to watch something new. And even though I'm getting the audio descriptions, it's hard to connect, at least for me, to connect with characters when I can't really see them. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like there's a show that I love on NBC called This Is Us. I oh, I love that show. Watched it. Oh, 100%. I was a fan since episode one. <laughs> so <laughs> was I. Premiere. So but good. I gave it up last year because NBC just refuses to do audio descriptions for this magnificent show. And the show is so nuanced in its performances. And there are long stretches where no one is talking And it's just the emotions that's showing on someone. Like, I know there was this episode where Jack took, oh my God, what's his wife's name? Rebecca. Rebecca. Um, They were still dating and he took her to this audition. And basically the people said, well, you're great for Pittsburgh. But I guess, you know, basically telling her she wasn't going to make it in Hollywood. And so she got back. She was obviously disappointed. She got back into the car and Jack told her to sing for him. And so she started to sing. And... All I could tell was that Jack was like looking out the window, you know, not at her, but looking out the window. I'm like, why in the hell is he looking out the window? What the hell was going on? I couldn't tell what was going on. And then my coworkers who watched the episode the night before, they're saying he was crying. I'm like, well, how the hell am I going to know that? I didn't, you know, so I, I couldn't get wrapped up into the emotion of the scene because I couldn't see or there was no one there to tell me that Jack is crying. You know, tears are flowing down Jack's face or something like that. Right. And also on the show, text messaging and is used a lot. And so they'll show the phone and show what somebody texted. I can't see it. So I don't know what's going on. So I actually stopped watching the show in season three. And oh. I am devastated. And I've been advocating to NBC to please do audio descriptions for the show. I mean, they do it for Law & Order SVU. They do it for their Chicago series, like Chicago Fires, Chicago Police, and stuff like that. But I'm like, This Is Us is a show that actually needs it, you know, in order for somebody who's visually impaired to get wrapped up into the emotion of the show. Wow, I did not even consider that. Because, yeah, because that show is very, it's very nuanced. Like, you know, characters are oftentimes saying one thing, but their face reads something completely different or their body language is reading something completely opposite of what's being said. And so without having those cues, the show almost loses 
what makes it so great. Yeah, and it, it did for me. Because like I said, the first two seasons, because even at 2070, I could still see those details. Like season one, it was when William and Randall went to Memphis. That's the one that I just remember. And I just remember like bawling during that episode when William was on his deathbed and Randall was looking down. I was just like, oh my God. I mean, that show just, it's, it's, if you need a release, that is the show because they will make you cry every episode. Even when you're like, you're not going to get my tears. You're not going to get my (laughs) tears. And then all of a sudden your face is wet. You're like, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. Yeah, it's a great I show. Know. And your cat is like looking at you like, what's going on? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, oh, Yang is like, get it together. You get it together. They are not <laughs> real people. <laughs> I haven't gone to a movie theater with audio description, but for I understand the big chains like AMC and Cinemark and others, they have audio descriptions. You basically have to go to customer service and ask for like this box and then you plug your your earphones into it. So when the movie starts, you'll hear the audio descriptions through your earphones along with the other track from the movie. You know, so you're not disturbing other people around you cuz like for people who have who don't have vision loss, it would be real annoying for them to like hear audio descriptions. They'll be like, "What the hell is that?" you know? Cuz I know <laughs> Because I know people who've like accidentally turned on audio descriptions and like on Netflix or something. They're like, how do I get rid of it? They're just like trying to like get rid of it, you know. But for me, it's a necessity. So like, there's this movie I want to see. It's called The Farewell. Yes, it is amazing, and I hope it has audio descriptions because it's needed. It's yeah. so. It's such a great, great film. Very, very detailed. Just you laugh, you cry. I I really hope they have it so you can enjoy it. Have you already seen it? I did. Oh, I did. I saw it, I think, a week after it came out. Aquafina, give her awards for this performance. You know, she is, she's definitely funny and very talented. And this shows that her range definitely shows her in a more serious role, but at the same time being funny when it's needed, but really capturing the heart of what it means to be family, what it means to, you know, being raised American, but your family's from from a different culture. And how did those two come together? And I could relate to that so much. It was just, even thinking about it now, I feel myself getting a little a little emotional. <laughs> because, yeah, and then the ending was a really cute surprise twist. So it was just, it was a well done film. Yeah, and it's one that will need audio descriptions because I would presume some of it's going to be subtitled in Chinese, I'm going to presume. Yes. Okay. Yes, Okay, yeah. So I will definitely look for a movie theater that has audio descriptions. I definitely want to see this movie, you know, and I want to get a good cry. I want to get a good laugh. But I always cry at a movie at a movie in a movie theater, no matter what kind of movie it is. I always find a reason to cry. Really? Yes. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't know what it is. But I always find a reason to cry, even during a happy movie. Because even when it has a happy ending, I'm just kind of like so glad it was like a happy ending. And like I'll just like start <laughs> bawling. What is something that sighted people can do or, or, or be mindful of to, to make this whole experience better. I, don't know, I believe I believe a lot in community. And I think sometimes we just need to pay a little bit more attention to those around us and to offer support. A lot of times people don't know what to do or if they even should do anything. What what do you think could help? You know, that's a tough one for me because like I like I said I'm kind of like on the edge 
of like needing help and not needing help sometimes. But like there's like one time like I I had to like go to a strip mall to like pick up a UPS something there. And I was like looking for the place and I was familiar with the strip mall, but I just couldn't read like the signs like on the doors and stuff like that until like I got right up on them. I'm like in order like to save me some time and having like go all up and down this mall, because somebody just like point me where this UPS where this and somebody like was pointing me to it and I was like ran my hand down the glass and I got to a door and she's no no the next one and she's I'll help you. So she came over and she did help me. But then she said something. She's like and I explained to her, oh you know, thank you very much. I just don't see very well to like read you know, the signs. And she says, well, she told me, well, if you can't see well enough, you should stay at home. And mm. I was like, I was like, really? I was just like, that. you know, a part of me was like, well, I don't want to do that, but thank you very much for like helping me here, you know? And I think that's like a, a lot of things that, you know, disabled people like run into. Cause like I hear from some of the people that I follow on Twitter who actually like live in New York, who use wheelchairs and I guess on the buses, like there's like a section that should be like for wheelchairs and yes. like there, yeah, there are people who like are saying, well, you should be at home, you know, should take paratransit and like people are, and the, the people in the wheelchairs, like, you know, I got a life too. I want to get out too. I don't want to wait an hour and a half, you know, two hours for a paratransit to come when the bus is going to be here in 10 minutes, you know, and stuff like right. that. So um, I haven't experienced that full front, yet you know because since it's vision loss and i'll say it i have become more isolated and made my home my cocoon and it's safe in here you know out there it's not safe but in here it's safe you know but i know that if i keep that up that's not like having a life you know Right. Because like even sighted people get out in the world and get pushed around and, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. So, as you know, it's not going to make my life any my life is not going to be any different, you know, but I just feel like I'm not safe out there anymore. And I feel especially like, you know, if I'm doing something at night and I have to use my cane, I feel like I'm a target, especially if I'm like by myself. If I'm with friends, I'm not feeling like I'm a target that somebody's going to look at me and says, OK, she can't see they can mug me, they can, you know, you know, do whatever, you know, and so that's why it's like scary. So I got to say, I haven't experienced a lot because I haven't actually put myself out there to experience, you know, that stuff. But it's still, that's that's me being honest. That's me being honest. Oh, of course. I think it's going to take time before, you know, you're just running at full speed as if nothing's changed obviously something's changed you're taking your time and and bit by bit you're you're hopefully will move forward and and explore things i think it was very brave of you to to say okay i'm gonna come to new york for the weekend like you might right now you may not be going out at night locally but to fly from from florida to new york for the weekend and, and experiencing what it feels like to navigate the city that's brave it's very very brave because it's easy to live in fear because just like you said, I know I went through a period of, of time, especially shortly after the, um, this recent election, I didn't leave my apartment on the weekends. I'd come home Friday, I'd do all my grocery shopping, I'd stay inside until it was time for me to go to work on Monday because I didn't feel safe. 
because of the way the behaviors that a lot of people are exhibiting on the streets or in or on the trains and just being like, oh, well, this is Trump country now. And yeah. meaning in a very, very aggressively violent, racist way. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I don't want my weekends filled with this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and build up my fort, <laughs> make sure <I'm, laughs> make sure my house, make sure my place is stocked with all the food, all the wine. Yes. And, and I'm going to just have all, have a great weekend by my damn self. Yeah. So and I did and I did that for many many months. So I do believe fear hits us all, you know, whether sighted or not. And so it's just a matter. It's a choice that at some point it's like, okay, how long <laughs> am I going to do this? Yeah. Like, you know. So so yes, yeah, so I think it's totally fine. Give yourself this time, and and hopefully there's a reason that that you're like, oh, I really want to see this show. I really want to experience this 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 movie and then you go so it's just baby steps don't yeah, beat yourself up over those it baby steps you know like uh, last month i went to a moth story slam here in miami yes um, yeah i took a lift down and i got there and i made my way in and once i got in the place was dark as most places like that are i'm like i'm gonna need help you know like, <laughs> let me know if there are any stairs and just point you know get me to a table and like i'll sit there and once i figure out where i am i'll be able to count my way back to you know get back to where i got like, it's it's like very different when you have like sight loss you're depending upon memory muscle a lot you know so if i go someplace forward I'll be able to make my way backwards because like I just know all of the steps that are involved in getting from that point A to point B. Now, if you throw in a point C, we're going to have a problem. But, you know, <laughs> but from point A to, once I get from point A to B, I can go from B to A again with no problem knowing what obstacles, you know, are going to be in my way. When I went there and I went by myself, because like part of this is like I'm trying to like get out of my comfort zone. You know, you have friends who don't necessarily like the same things that you are into or yeah. who they love you. But, you know, they may they don't want to go to like a story slam, you know, or something like that or like the same movies or, you know, do the same things. So I'm like, if I want to live, I got to like get out and start doing, you know, what it is that I want to do. And I was like terrified going down there all the while I was going down. Like maybe I should like just have him take me home. Maybe I should just have him take me home. But I'm like, I got there, I got out, got in. The stories were awesome. A woman came in, sat next to me. She was by herself also. You know, I left and I got home and it was like a good day, you know, all in all. Oh, that's so great. That is so, so great. That's just progress, right? Like going from, I don't know, I'm going to just stay here. <laughs> To, okay, once a month, I know that I'm going to make my make an effort to go to this event. And yeah. and that and that's just the starting point. And the more that you feel good, the more that you're going to want to keep doing stuff to, to keep feeling good. So I think it's a great start. Final notes. Love is? I'm going to say love is hope. Because, like, without hope, like, what is there? What is one book everyone should read? This is going to be so weird. I know you're going to think. I think it's The Stand by Stephen King. It's a book I read about every two years or so. I just think it's just a battle for good and for e- and for evil. And just to know that when the shit storm happens, that there are good people here. What song would be the theme music to your life? I'm going to have to say Optimistic by Sounds of Blackness. What is your motto? It's actually from Hagrid from the Harry Potter series. And it was one point he told the kids that 
uh, whatever is coming is coming and we'll meet it when it gets here. But I think it also applies to life. And I try to like look at it with my vision loss that I can't do anything about what's going on. And what, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And I'll have to deal with it when it does happen and make adjustments to deal with it. So that has become my life, my lifestyle. Whatever's, whatever's coming is coming and we'll deal with it when it gets here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love Harry Potter. Oh God, I do. Thank you for turning me on to that. I know it was like <laughs> six. I know it's sixteen years late, but you know, <laughs> I got there. I got there. What are you most grateful for? This is easy. I'm most grateful for my friends. I have friends who I call them my ride or die because they are the people who I, if I murdered somebody, <laughs> I would call these people to let them know what I did. And I won't have to worry about them spilling the beans on me. Okay. (laughs) They are the ones who I trust beyond anything. You know, the ones who have my social security number. Okay. You know, right. The ones ones who have the power to pull the plug on me. Should I be in a vegetative state or something like that? But more than that, they're the ones who have been with me even before this journey started, but they have really shown up after this journey has started. And I talk to so many people who, when they lose their vision and you, you lose a certain aspect of their independence, where their friends and family really just leave them, turn away, you know, husbands leave, wives leave, brothers and sisters don't know what to do, and they stop calling and checking in because they don't know what to do. I have wonderful friends. And I think it was like Maya Angelou who said she'd rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies when it came to her friends, you know, and I've got more than four quarters. Mm, Quality over quantity any day. Yes. Yes. So that's why I say friends. You're phenomenal. You're brave. You're strong. And I can't wait to, to experience what your next moves are. Cause I think you have a very powerful voice in 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 this community to bring awareness and I didn't realize that this technology was out there and how people are using it and so it's just I think more people need to be aware that way as a community we can grow together and and look out for one another yeah I agree also because there's this thing that was trending on Twitter for a while where someone snapped a photo of a blind woman using her cane, but she also had her iPhone out. And so they snapped the picture, posted it, saying, you know, she's faking it. She doesn't really, like, she's not really blind or anything like that. I just want to let people know that we use technology, and it's something that we need in our lives in order to navigate this world. You know, I have apps that tell me, you know, 400 feet away to the left, what's there and what my surroundings are and stuff like that. You know, my banking, you know, all of that, the social media, I can do that without looking at my screen because of the voiceover. So you don't need to have sight in order to have vision as to what can be done in your life. I have a wonderful update, fam. Since the recording of this episode, not only did This Is Us add audio descriptions, but they also added 
spoiler alert, a supporting character who is blind. Since the show premiered in 2016, it's tackled issues like obesity, alcoholism, racism, and loss in a very real, raw, and relatable way. Thank you so much, NBC. Thank you for listening to Sammy Sometimes, a podcast. It's very much appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. You can follow me on all social media platforms at chasing underscore Sammy. Until next time.